If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. I'm not particularly organized. I have wonderful bins that I store the fabric in, very roughly by color. I mean, because I use lots of prints, you can't really tell what color it is. Is it blue? Is it red? Are the flowers yellow? Who knows? And then when I'm working on a quilt, I tell myself to begin with what I know. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Today's guest is Anne Brower. I'm your host, Susan Smith, and I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. And if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt, with a 50-pound writing utensil with needle and thread attached at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. They're on the first and third Friday of every month, and they are usually one project from start to finish in real time, and they're streamed live, so they're interactive, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm working on it. So I invite you to join me there again the first and third Friday of every month. The quilting community, as I'm sure you already know, is so diverse, so colorful, and supportive. So I invite you to listen in as we meet a new quilter each week and hear their stories. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will Half of the Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Today I wanted to ask if you've got a a favorite tip from your sewing room might have to do with sorting your fabrics might have to do with the process of piecing an art quilt or your design wall whatever tip you'd like to leave with us yes i have a tip my very favorite thimble is a john james magnetic top thimble so you put the thimble on it's a metal thimble but there's a little magnet on top so you could just leave your needle there if you drop your needle it picks it up it's great I love that. Okay, how have I never heard of that thimble before? It's British. You have to search for it in this country. You know I love my coffee. In fact, I've got a fresh pot brewing right now. 
If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There for the price of one delicious coffee, you are able to make a one-time contribution or sign up for a monthly one if you so desire. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. My guest today is Anne Brower. And in Anne's words, for 40 years I've been making original quilts that use color, fabric, and tradition to create abstract landscapes of the imagination. Anne's creations are made one strip of fabric at a time, and they're so evocative of wide open outdoor spaces. Her art quilts range from eyeglass cases to a 140 foot series. Yes, 140 feet. She gives us a little tour today through her studio. It's open to the public, and even her village in Massachusetts, which supports artisans of all kinds. Let's welcome Anne. Anne, welcome into my studio. I'm so happy to have the chance to chat with you. Well, this will be fun. Thanks for asking. I have been a longtime follower of your Instagram feed. Your quilts are so very beautiful. And I understand that you've been kind of playing with colors and fabric most of your life. What did that look like in the early years? Oh, I started with the log cabin pattern. And at first I made a baby quilt, which was basically an irregular shaped log cabin that played with colors. And I was lucky because I would get orders for six every month in reds and blues. Each one as different as possible. So six baby meant, quilts every month? Yes. Wow. Orders. Okay. Um, I mean, I was selling to different galleries. Okay. And, and so trying to keep the same pattern but have it look different allowed me to play with colors, color progressions, and how different fabrics would relate to each other. I love that. And it's it's really interesting that you start there because I was recently conversing with another art quilter and we kind of went down the rabbit trail of doing things in series. So this is a bit the same idea, right? You've picked some parameters, in this case, the log cabin quilt, and then you explore within that. Has that proven to be true for you that that's where some of your creative moments spring from? Oh, series definitely matter. And this is even more than series because you're basically doing the same thing except changing the colors. So um, you have to see, change one fabric, everything else changes. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I So what are some of the favorite colors that you did or color combinations maybe? Well, for a while they were reds and blues with a red star in the center and a blue outside. Then eventually, as I became more skilled, I couldn't sell those. I had to come up with more creative colors, you know, purples and greens, grays, whatever struck my mind. I love that. So do you tend to use scraps a lot then in your quilt making? Yes and no. I buy everything as a yard. Okay. If I don't like the fabric enough to own a yard of it, I don't buy it. Good philosophy. Yeah. And then as I start work, I cut more 
wedges that I need. Of course, I can't throw them away. So each one, I sort of save and I have a pile. And when I work on a new quilt, I look and see what I have and go from there. So So there's scraps, but scraps I create. Gotcha. Gotcha. I have a ton of questions that surround your current art quilts. Maybe, maybe describe for our listeners, if you could, the types of landscape quilts that you're creating right now. They're very abstract landscapes, frequently with the sky, the sun, and the earth in different colors. Sometimes the sun, you can see it coming up or going down. Sometimes you can only imagine it. Um, But it lets me play with colors a lot. And they seem to be, and I don't know if this is true of all of them, correct me if I'm wrong, but they seem to all be constructed of strips, not always straight strips, but strips. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's different. The work starts as wedges. Okay. So it's a strip cut on the width of the fabric, so there's just a hint of bias. Oh, I see. Okay, a little bit of stretchiness in it. Because yeah. I noticed that your your strips often are not straight. There's a certain amount, or even a lot, of curve in them. And oh, the movement that provides. Thanks. Each piece is a wedge. I start and put it very carefully in its location, trying to see how the colors work together and how the curve works together. So is it too much of a curve? Not enough, and I sort of self-correct. Okay. And you, how do you construct it into the quilt? Like you're not just piecing the quilt top, am I right? Right. It's a quilt-as-you-go process. So I sew through the batting, which is a traditional cotton batting, onto the back. Okay. And I pull up all of the threads and tie off the seams. Okay. Got it. And... I'm kind of jumping to the end of things, but do you also add a layer of quilting after, you know, the construction process? Yes. After it's all done, I choose the color of thread to use. I only use one color of thread. I find for my work, it unifies the work. So I will actually go back and forth between two different shades of yellow Um, If you check on Instagram, when I'm confused, I hold up the threads to see what works best. Okay. Do you puddle the threads, which is what I do as a long-arm quilter? Like I unspool some of that thread and lay it across the different fabrics that it will be stitching over. No. Well, there's an idea for you. I just hold up the thread um, because I know what I'm doing and I know the effect it's going to have. So I know, for instance, if I'm using a yellow on the dark blues that I frequently use, it's going to have a particular effect. Okay, Um, so you're bringing a whole lot of experience to bear there. Yes. Got it. How many quilts-ish, how many art quilts, maybe we'll start there, do you think that you have made or created? No idea. (laughs) Dozens, obviously. Hundreds? Oh, yeah. Thousands, probably. Really? I mean, this is what I do. I've been doing it for 40 years. Yeah. So you do know what you're doing. I'm agreeing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I drive. Oh, go ahead. 
I was going to say, tell me some of the either galleries or museums or, or maybe even more unique places that some of your works have hung. Well, I'm very proud of the fact that I have quilt in the Federal District Courthouse in Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh, and so you When they be. built the quilt, the courthouse, they put in a special place to hang quilts. That was part of their goal. They had seen my work because, actually, I started making a little little pieces, you know, for people who came in the studio who had no money. The woman who was then volunteer coordinator for the Springfield Museum came in leading a group of docents. She thought she should purchase something, so she purchased a little $12 piece, which was on her coffee table. She was then curator at the museum, and she needed to do a quilt show. Looking down at her coffee table, there was one of my little bitty pieces, so she called me up. I had the show there, and the judges from the courthouse that was being built then saw my work, realized I was local, they wanted local, asked me to do these quilts. There were 12 of them a total of 140 feet. Each courthouse is named after one of the counties in Western Mass. So I did a very, very abstract interpretation of each county, um, trying to keep the design the same and so that all 140 feet flow together as one. So there's actually like at one time, a 140-foot display of these quilts? No. There are four courtrooms. Some courtrooms have a 40-foot display. Some courtrooms have a 30-foot display. Even so. so you, yeah, it's remarkable. pretty cool. Yes. Remarkable. Oh, that, that's just, that just gives me kind of shivers. Okay, anywhere else fun that they've hung? Uh, yes. Right now I have two quilts in the art in the embassies in Georgetown, Guinea, down in South America, which is really cool. They wanted quilts to sort of commemorate ecology. Um, so I have my first quilted with a new technique piece called Green Circle, and then my statement quilt, Pluto is a planet. And they're Love there. It. Love it. So that's Love cool. It. So where you did mention that a lot of your current quilts at least have, you know, sky, often sun and earth. I was going to ask you where your inspiration comes from. Like I see nature in them, but is it from photographs? Is it when you're out walking? How does that kind of thought process okay. start for you? This series, which is a very long series, began in my previous technique. I grew up on a farm in Illinois. I love the open space there. Mm-hmm. And so I did a whole series of quilts trained to grasp the feeling of limitless horizons, big spaces, fields, etc. When I moved to my new studio, I... My view is just outstanding because I could see the river sort of bending up, going up toward Vermont. And there's a big mountain, not big by Western standards, but I'll take it, <laughs> that sort of 
guards the village. And so I had to come up with work that would represent the new studio, uh, which is when I started doing the tiny piece curves. Um, and I became more interested in nature, the colors around me. Um, some of them are memories I have. Nothing is very representational. Okay. Yeah. I just wondered, you know, what sort of sparks those ideas for you. And that's really given me a picture. Thank you for that. I wonder if you would give us, you've touched on it in little bits of ways, but if you would give us just an idea kind of of what a day looks like in your studio. You know, are there piles of color surrounding you on your table? Are you a very organized person and your scraps are organized, you know, by color or your fabric pieces? Or kind of what does the creative process look like? I'm not particularly organized. I have wonderful um, bins that I store the fabric in very roughly by color. I mean, because I use lots of prints, you can't really tell what color it is. Is it blue? Is it red? Are the flowers yellow? Who knows? So I just pile it in there, um, especially when I feel like straightening. And then when I'm working on a quilt, I tell myself to begin with what I know. And I'll cut a little bit of fabric to go with where I'm going to start. And I start sewing. I've got a big design board. Love my design board. And I'll pin the quilt up to see what's happening, to see if it's going the direction I want. (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, look at it, play with colors, go through, think again. Because this is what I do and what I love, I basically know the fabrics I have. I may not know where they are, but I know them. And so I'll hunt through and find fabrics that I think will add to the quilt. I'll cut them. Sometimes I use them. Sometimes I've got this heap of cut scraps off in one side. And so I'll go through that and see what's happening there. I also have, when I get stuck on a big quilt, I make smaller items. And so I usually have one or two smaller items that are sort of laid out to get the colors right. Uh, So they're off to the side, too. My studio is wonderful. It's a studio open to the public. So a part of my studio by the north and east windows is where my sewing machine is, where I can see what's happening outside and get beautiful light. The other half is where I hang my quilt and other items I've made so people can come in either because they're purposely coming to see me or they happen to stroll by and go, quilts, I love quilts, what is she doing? So I never know what's going to happen in the course of a day. You know, is somebody going to come in and go, I love it, I have to have it? Is it going to be truly dead? I don't know. I just keep working. When I get tired of sewing, which happens, then I do hand sewing or clean the studio or something like that. I love that. I was going to ask too, and you've kind of answered it. When you get tired of sewing, you move on to other, you know, other things. But I wondered if you ever experience, we call it writer's block for writers, but creative blockages and kind of what you do with that. How do you work your way through that? Oh, easy. I do experience creative block. I experience more fear of starting a new piece. 
Okay. Um, you know, new big piece. Am I going to get the colors right? Do I have the energy to start it? Um, you know, so there's all sorts of worries. I make lots of smaller items, which I sell because I support myself selling my work. So I'll make potholders or placemats or finish up another piece without really thinking about what I'm doing so that I'm always sewing. I don't want to have that time where I have that block. That's too frustrating. So kind of keeping always in creative motion helps to just keep that flowing. I can see that. I can see that. You mentioned that you you support yourself by making functional objects as well, and I did see that you have a expansive Etsy site with all kinds of things from the beautiful art quilts all the way down through, you know, maybe runners for your table down to even eyeglass cases. So and they're like little holders. little miniature bits of original and art. Yes, and I like that. I like the fact it makes people happy. I mean, at one point I'd received all sorts of really fancy awards and, you know, I said, oh, I don't have to make potholders again. And then I realized nobody would come in to look at my work because they couldn't afford it or they didn't have space for a big quilt. As soon as I once again started making some of the smaller items and I tried to limit it, then people would show up and see, oh, well, I need these for gifts. Oh, that quilt, I've been looking at it for 10 minutes, and it speaks to me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Good point. Good point. So how does that work on a practical level? Do you know, do you just kind of hang a shingle at your front door, you know, quilt studio, open, come on in, or how how does that work? Well, I'm a business person, mm-hmm. um, and so within the village, and I'm in Shelburne Falls, which is a wonderful, wonderful village in the Berkshires of Massachusetts, there are lots of different artists and studios. Okay. So people do come to Shelburne Falls. We advertise together. I advertise, I do a number of very select fine craft shows, which is also advertising. I get people from my Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly trying to get people to show up and see what's happening. I have some locals who come in, especially in the winter, because they need color. Mm, okay. um, you know, so it's a question of having done it for so long, people know I exist, um, and it's sort of built. Yeah, I can see that. I feel like that would just be so invigorating to have that frequent interaction with the people who are, you know, purchasing and using your items. And that must just keep the creative juices going too. Oh, it does. I mean, I love people who come in who've been buying little things for me for 20, 30 years. Um, and they need another potholder. You know, but it's fun to hear what they need to see what they're going to purchase. And you never know. You don't ever know. I mean, we started with your pieces hanging in a courthouse. And those connections, as you illustrated, they they started very small. And you never know where those connections will come from. It's true. Right. Were you ever a hand quilter? Or when you say you do hand stitching, does that mean you're binding? Or what other things might that involve? That's binding. 
Okay. I'm not a hand sitter. Um, I probably tried it once, but not for me. <laughs> it's good to know yourself. That's right. Yeah. Okay. On to our nugget of wisdom. This can have to do with quilting and crafting or life in general, whatever little piece you'd like to leave with us. Oh, that's a tough one because I have lots of pieces. Well, you can nuggets. do more than one if you want to. <laughs> we'll take but, it. Uh, my favorite nugget to give to people who are blocked when they go into the studio, because not everybody could go in six days a week, is to have a project started. You know, whether you have to finish off your potholders, you have a binding to sew, whatever. So when you're back in the studio, instead of going, oh, what should I do next? Oh, so many possibilities, I can't decide. It's decided for you. That really makes sense. And I mean, we talked about this earlier with keeping your momentum kind of going. And also that like validates the idea of having a lot of works in progress. <laughs> yep. Those UFOs are wonderful. They sure are. Well, thanks so very much for joining me, Anne. I feel like I've had a glimpse into your studio and I desperately want to come and see it in person now. Well, please do. It's in Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts. It's open every day but Tuesdays unless I'm at a craft shop. Fantastic. Well, thanks again. I've enjoyed our visit thoroughly. Okay, thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you take a moment and share it with a friend or a colleague that you think would enjoy these stories as well? It means the world to me to be able to share them with you. So until next time, my friend, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. <laughs>